Hey guys, it's Sarah from The Lipstick Files. If you're new to The Lipstick Files, then this is the podcast that breaks down the last week in celebrity news, and then the second half is me telling a riveting true crime story. On this week's episode, my brother joins me via Skype, and it's not the best quality, so just wanted to give a heads up. And if you haven't already, find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Not going to lie, I really don't use Twitter very often, but my main social media platform is the Instagram, and that includes a lot of my videos and funny stuff that you get all throughout the week, so you have to make sure to follow me on Instagram. And if you haven't had a chance, please go and rate and review the podcast. Unless it's bad, then don't do it. Welcome to the Lipstick Files. This is Sarah, and I have my brother John joining me today. Hey, hello, everybody. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> Last time you gave me some space to say something. That time you talked over me. Start over. We're not starting over. Oh, okay. One, one uh, so what? What are you doing right now? Playing some piano. Oh, let's hear something. Real quick, come on, you're going to get famous. Okay. (laughs) I'm just kidding. There you go. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Hans Zimmer. (laughs) This is about all I do in my free time is piano. Uh, That's not true, because I called you last night and you were playing video games. Yeah. Well, once in a while a video game. Piano and video games. Video game practice has helped me very much in my piano playing. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) All right, John, so how old are you? I'm 35. Why do you ask? I'm asking for my listeners. What do you mean? Oh, your listeners want to know this stuff? <laughs> no, I don't think they care at all. But I'm. <laughs> do they even know you have a brother? <laughs> they do now. Yeah. No, I don't know if they ever did know that I had a brother. Oh, 35. I live in Watertown. It's no, not... don't tell people where you live. I got two kids. <laughs> Okay, John, this, yeah. that's not, you don't tell people personal information about yourself. This is a true crime podcast. Oh, I don't care. You don't think people can find out where you live? Are you kidding me with your name? <laughs> well, I went on the white pages like a smart person and took my address off. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Okay, so John, this is your first podcast you've ever done, right? Uh, besides the one we tried last night that didn't work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're a musician, and yeah. you. we grew up in a musical household. I don't know if a lot of people know that, like uh, my listeners. Some people do, but I. we have a grandma who was a professional opera singer. We've got a dad who is an awesome guitarist. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else do we have? We have a lot of musicians, actually. But then you and I used to perform together all the time, making tapes, singing mm-hmm. songs. Then somehow I got passed over and didn't get to learn the guitar, which I wish I really knew how to play the guitar now, but I don't. I thought you were, there was a, what was that, five years ago you were learning how to play? I thought yeah, you were getting good. I was trying, but then I gave it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with that stuff, you know? You got to have yeah. a like a huge passion for it to do it all the time and then you play a little drums you play the guitar you're a pianist obviously a pianist, you say <laughs> let's say pianist i know i hate the word I pianist. Hate that word. that's why i hate playing the piano that's the only reason because then i'm labeled <laughs> as a pianist <laughs> pianist pianist yeah, came up with that name yeah why didn't they say pianist 
I don't know. I don't know, but I played a lot of instruments in high school, and I was also in choir. Did you know that I was actually voted most likely to become a rock star? I did not know that. At you West? didn't know? Uh, at Waukesha South. Oh. Yep. Well, what did you say about my uh, microphone? <laughs> I can't. What did I say? I, it just looks ridiculously big. This huge DJ microphone <laughs> hanging in, what is that, your living room? Uh, this is my basement. It's a finished oh, basement. You're like fully blown radio disc jockey now. <laughs> and next up on the top 40 hmm yeah <laughs> okay if you could think of one memory from when we were growing up what would it be hmm. a funny memory or just a memory <laughs> uh i guess any memory unless it's like disturbing like the time you know dad slapped us because the milk spilt or something no i'm just kidding he never did that but <laughs> i'm just saying do you remember the time that you and i were playing christian hot lava we were downstairs in the basement and we were Bible characters. And then uh, you were Peter and I kept calling your name, Peter, Peter, don't jump on the hot lava. And then all of a sudden dad flew down the stairs and spanked me and told me to never say penis again. <laughs> I remember you telling that story. I, I, for some reason, I don't remember that. But, well, that's funny. Here we are trying to play a Christian game. And <laughs> all right. did he think you were saying penis? He just I mean heard the P word just like when you say pianist, people probably think you say penis too. Well, <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> or, or actually, another word for penis is Peter. That's right. Oh, maybe he just thought you were calling me a, a Peter. <laughs> <laughs> What's a memory? How about that time we did the Seinfeld skit and we all acted out the characters and made a whole story? Yeah. Watch that show all the time because mom and dad would watch it. Mm -hmm. and putting that video together like we still have it on vhs somewhere we would show it to friends like thinking it was so realistic to the real episode <laughs> it wasn't bad thinking back but uh, <laughs> making those movies was was fun i was newman and elaine <laughs> and i was jerry and george and you were george for a portion of it too <laughs> I we everybody played everybody because we only had two actors and a cast of five to fill <laughs> I don't know how we get that on DVD these days. Oh, you can do it. Dad could figure it out. Okay, I'll tell Dad. Dad, who's like MacGyver. Anytime oh, we would fix something, we'd put on the MacGyver music. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that. You're going to put a picture of him. Who is that? Richard Dean. Wait, what's that guy's name? MacGyver. Richard Dean something. He looks like Dad. Dad also looks like a combination of Sting. Mm -hmm. Sting has a baby with MacGyver, and then that baby... <laughs> has another baby with who was the third person <laughs> this is a bad analogy <laughs> well you gotta add all three people into it yeah I but they're all men they can't have babies well i know that's no not... dad looks just like walter white from breaking bad well, that's too he's dad's the man of many faces he looks like a lot of people but yet he's yeah. unique well, through so, the I, decades, through the decades, as his hair has changed, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Okay, so let's get into some celebrity news because well, I actually have something to say about Breaking Bad. I don't okay. know if you know, but did you know that Aaron Paul is back? He's playing the role of Jesse Pinkman in a follow-up movie of the award-winning series. The movie that will be released on Netflix is receiving rave reviews, and fans are demanding that Aaron Paul be nominated for his role. So it's actually a follow-up to Breaking Bad, and I had no idea that it was really coming out. I heard about that. I did hear about that. Is Walter White in it, or is he... I didn't read that, but I would assume that he's unless, not in it at all. Unless it's a prequel. 
Yeah. No, it's not. It's supposed to be, uh, it takes place like the 48 hours after the ending of Breaking Bad. And then there's also some flashbacks. But mm. I don't think, it didn't make it seem like Walter White was in the flashbacks. But I could be wrong. I'll be honest. Uh, I did hear that. I'm, I'm not super excited about, about it, though. I mean, Walter White made that show. Why aren't you excited? Just anytime there's a sequel uh, with some of the cast, but not the whole thing. Oh. I do. I do. I think it'll be okay, but Walter White made that show. He was so good. I mean, both of them together, but Aaron Paul by himself. I, I, I don't just... know. I guess his performance is outstanding and he actually won three emmys for his role as jesse pinkman and they're saying that he is incredible so a bunch of fans have already watched it so that's why i didn't understand because i was looking to see to see if it was released um because it made it seem like it had been released but maybe just in the uk or something but fans are saying that it's incredible did you know that i've been told by several people that i i look like aaron paul (laughs) I don't know if I should be excited about that or not. I People on the job have told me that. Yes, I can totally see that you look like him. You also sort of look like uh, Justin Timberlake a little bit. So if Timberlake and Aaron Paul had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that'd be you. If it was possible. And you also uh, like to sing Justin Timberlake songs sometimes. Well, who doesn't? I'll probably check it out. But I'm giving my review before I see it, and I'm thinking it's going to be bad. <laughs> John's (laughs) pre-reviews yeah I should do a little bit like that like every every month or something you come on and give us your pre-reviews without reading it before I even know anything about it oh it it sucks (laughs) well Dane Cook Dane Cook did a bit on that uh, a long time ago when he was doing those huge like stand-up specials and he said isn't it funny how we're all critics when we go to a movie yep. you see the trailers and then you're eating your popcorn and you're like stupid yeah. stupid. stupid that's gonna yeah. be dumb and, and then the next one ooh, that looks good that <laughs> yeah, looks good that is, that is, yeah you nailed it on that yeah <laughs> Okay, so 45-year-old Ryan Felipe and his 21-year-old Playboy Playmate model ex-girlfriend, Elsie El- Hewitt. He's 45? Yeah, he's 45. He's, he's aging like a fine wine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. He's 45? I thought he was like 30 or 35. Wow. Yeah, he looks pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm aging like a, like a nasty beer compared to... <laughs> Compared to Ryan Felipe. Dude, he looks good for his age. I didn't know he was that old. Like a, you're aging like a warm beer in the sun. Like, a, like just a nasty beer, yeah. I don't know. He is good looking. Okay, the reason why he's making the news is because two years ago, his 21-year-old girlfriend, Elsie Hewitt, had alleged that he threw her down a flight of stairs and kicked and punched her. Mm. Felipe denies that he hurt the model, but but there's text messages out there and you can read them for yourselves. I read the whole thing and she released them and it seems like it's kind of hard to tell because he's in complete denial through the text messages saying that he he didn't do anything he doesn't know what she's talking about he loves her all this other stuff and then she's not really replying in these text messages that you can see but Mm -hmm. you see her friends messaging him and saying i was there when it happened i saw it you know i don't know if you don't remember what happened but and it almost seems really crazy but rumors are that he does a lot of drugs and drinks and all this other stuff and the combination makes him a little bit violent 
didn't. I didn't even know that two years ago he did that. I never even heard about it. Yeah, it's the first I've heard about it. But there are pictures, and you'd think if you got thrown down a flight of stairs, you'd have broken bones, but she had a huge bruise on one of her arms and then a cut on the back of her legs and her legs look swollen and everything. So, But she filed a $1 million lawsuit two years ago and she filed a restraining order and I guess they've come to a, an agreement now. So I don't, I don't know how much she got, but... At first I thought you were giving me a movie plot that he was in. <laughs> and I started to realize that this is something he did. <laughs> I, well, that doesn't seem... No, it's just, you never know who's going to do that stuff, you know? I mean, everyone's just well, yeah. breaking point and, you know, they kind of crack. And we all have that point inside of us, you know? You That's have a, that point you throw somebody down the stairs? Well, I, I, it's easy for me to say no, I would never do that. It's so easy for me to say that, but I would have to think, yeah, within me, there is some breaking point. There's got to be where I would do something irrational. I don't know what. Okay. Maybe it's because he's he was on all those drugs and stuff like that, supposedly. Yeah, maybe he was drunk. When you're drunk, you, you make dumb decisions, you know, but... That's uh, a pretty bad one. I don't know. To be kicking your girlfriend and then pushing her, throwing yeah, her down I, the stairs. I'm not giving... Yeah, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just... I just... I know what you're saying. Can I overtake this podcast? Yeah, go ahead. What? Did you see MacGruber? He's in MacGruber. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him since MacGruber. You know that SNL movie that they made? Yeah, who's in that? Kristen that, Wiig? Yeah, and then that. It's supposed know. to be a spoof on MacGyver. It's, have you seen it? It's funny. No, I, but you always say that's one of your favorite movies. It was like, yeah, six years ago. It's so stupid, but it, it yeah, Val Kil- Kilmer's in it. Oh, Man, wow. He's swollen up quite a bit. He, like, his face is really, like, swollen. <laughs> but anyway, that's. <laughs> Ryan Felipe reminds me of that movie because he's in the movie. That's the last movie I've seen of him. I always had, I had a huge crush on him, like back when Cruel Intentions and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh my gosh. He was just like everything. Like a a Jonathan Taylor Thomas, just. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened. Then he supposedly cheated on Reese Witherspoon. They got (laughs) divorced. And then just from then on, I just was like, I don't know. There's something. This guy's off. Okay, so it's been over 25 years since the original Jurassic Park film had come out. Now they're saying that next year, the new Jurassic Park is also going to include Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum, who were in the original movie. You don't like that? That was like crap. They're bringing back half the cast again. We just talked about that. I don't know. You think it's bad when they bring half a cast or when they try to bring the full cast? Are they bringing back Spielberg? Who, who's been directing them? I just random directors, probably. Are you, are you sure? I think that'll actually be good. I do think that'll be good. I haven't liked, you know, I hate to be the negative reviewer. I haven't liked the new ones. And uh, I honestly, the last one I saw, I, I told myself I'm not watching another one that comes out because I'm so disappointed with them. But that's, you know, I should start <laughs> movie reviewing podcast. Probably, probably go viral. <laughs> I don't think so. Actually, you know, your podcast is going to go viral after this interview. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today. I'm going to get into some true crime. (laughs) 
It was June 1986, and 19-year-old Marie Thomas took a job nannying for a family in Newport, Connecticut. The dad, Richard Crafts, was a pilot for a major airline, and the mom, Hella Crafts, was a flight attendant. Both Richard and Hella worked a lot, and they had a really weird traveling schedule, so they needed to hire a nanny to help keep some structure in their three children's lives. Marie was going to be living with the Crafts full-time. She was sort of introverted, but she was really sweet, and she was really excited to start this new adventure in her life. Hella was beautiful and confident and a very warm woman, but Richard, on the other hand, was a little odd. He was sort of detached from his family and not very friendly. He had come from a family with money, and he also was a former Marine. He flew secret missions in the Vietnam War, which could be the reason he was so detached and cold. Marie loved being a nanny, and her being there allowed Hella to focus on a business she was working on. Hella was importing lace curtains from Germany, since she was traveling there a lot for work. Nothing says 80s more than lace curtains. Marie built a great relationship with Hella and the entire family, but she starts to notice that there's tension between Hella and Richard. Richard had been a womanizer in the past, and Hella was worried that he might be up to his old ways. Hella decides she's going to hire a private investigator to follow him and see if he's cheating on her. The PIs end up following him to another flight attendant's house in New Jersey. They saw Richard come out of this woman's house, and the woman came out too, and she looked just like Hella Crafts. The PIs took pictures, and they brought them back to Hella. She was very hurt, and she decides she's going to confront Richard, and she's going to tell him that she wants a divorce. Hella and Richard break the news to their nanny Marie, and she's told that she's going to have to try to find another job. Obviously, Marie was really upset, but it didn't take long for Richard to change his tune. He promises that he will be more involved with the kids, he'll take family trips. He didn't want to lose his family. So by November 1986, things start to settle down, and it seems like Hella and Richard are working things out. But behind closed doors, things were not okay. Hella was not quite over the affair. She didn't trust Richard, and Marie witnessed an argument between the two. Hella had an international flight for a couple of days, so when she came back, she was so excited to see her kids. Marie went out late that night, but at 6 in the morning, the next morning, Richard crept into Marie the nanny's bedroom to wake her up, and he tells her that the power is out from a bad snowstorm and that he is going to take everyone to his sister's farm because it was going to get cold in the house without any heat on. He tells Marie to get the kids and go out the front door, not the garage. The kids start questioning where their mom, Hella, is, and he says that she's gone ahead already and will meet them at his sister's house. Richard drops everyone off at his sister's house in Westport and then heads back to his house to check on the power. Hella was not at Richard's house, which was strange to Marie. Richard came back the next day to get Marie and the kids and bring them back to their house, and on the way home, Richard is so tired that he almost falls asleep at the wheel and starts to go off the road before he's able to get control of the car again. Marie wonders where Hella is, and when she asks, Richard tells her that Hella has decided to go to her mother's house in Denmark and won't be back for a few days. He tells Marie that Hella's mom is sick and Hella wanted to make sure that she was okay and take care of her. But something was off. People started talking and the fact that Hella just left didn't seem right. So two days after the snowstorm, Marie finds that Hella's room is completely messed up and there's a large red stain on the carpet. Also, she finds a large freezer in the garage that hadn't been there before. Marie opens it up, but there was nothing in it. 
The next morning, Marie wants to check out the carpet stain again, but when she goes in the room, the carpet in the bedroom has been removed, exposing a hardwood floor. Marie tells Hella's friends about the stain, and Hella's friends believe something bad has happened to Hella, and that Marie needs to get out of the house as soon as she can. Hella had actually told her friends that if she disappears or something bad happens to her, that it isn't her. She says that she would never leave her kids no matter what happens. At first, the police don't take it seriously when the friends report Hella missing. The police said that they thought, well, she probably just ran off and she'll be back when she's bored of whatever she's doing. So Hella's friends start their own investigation, which is totally what I would do, by the way, if one of my friends went missing. They call Hella's mom, who says she hasn't seen Hella and she hasn't been sick at all. Hella's car was at the airport. It was parked in the employee parking lot. And all of the items she would have taken if she would have left were gone. Like her flight bags, her uniform, makeup. So it's possible that she was traveling, but Hella's friends can't find any records of Hella ever getting on any airplanes. Three weeks after Hella's disappearance, the police finally bring Richard in for questioning and they give him a lie detector test. In the middle of the test, He tells them Hella has actually left him for another man and that he was too embarrassed to tell anyone before. And unbelievably, he passes the lie detector test. Friends start looking into Hella's bank accounts and see that she has not used anything, so how would she be surviving without any money? Marie continues to live in the house and to take care of the kids, but she was scared. She wanted to stay for the kids, but at the same time, Richard gave her the creeps and she knew something had happened to Hella. The higher-ups in the police department didn't want to pursue anything with Richard at the time, but some of the other detectives thought Richard could have killed his wife. So they start investigating it anyways, and they find out that Richard bought a large freezer the week before Hella's disappearance. He also purchased a chainsaw and rented a wood chipper the day that Hella went missing. Hella's friends talk Marie into leaving the house and staying with them. They didn't feel that she was safe. Crime scene investigators are able to enter the Crafts' home while the Crafts are gone on vacation for Christmas. And they find that the house is completely messed up, the carpet was ripped up, and furniture was moved all around the house. The crime scene investigator is able to do a quick test and sprays luminol on the mattress where it looks like there's blood, and it lights up. It was obvious that a crime had happened here. Investigators believe that Richard beat Hella with a blunt force object It was known that Richard kept a large flashlight near the bed at all times, and this too had gone missing. Then, he went to wake up Marie and the children to tell them that there was a storm and to take them to his sister's house. He then tows Hella's car to the airport to make it look like she left town, and investigators believe that Richard cut Hella's body up with the chainsaw, put the parts in the freezer, and then later put her body parts in a wood chipper. They think that Richard figured if there was no body, he couldn't be convicted of a crime. And at that time, no one had ever been convicted of a murder without a body in the state of Connecticut. Investigators try to track down the wood chipper that was rented by Richard, but can't seem to locate it. Luckily, a snowplow operator comes forward to say that he witnessed a man using a wood chipper about 10 miles from the Kraft home the evening of Hella's disappearance. He gives detectives the location. It was a wooded area near a river, and when the area is searched, investigators first come across a partially shredded piece of mail with Hella's name and address on it. 
so investigators block off the area immediately and search for more evidence. They find a fingernail that has been painted with polish and some shredded clothes. So they bring it to Marie, the nanny, and they ask her to identify the two items. And she confirms that the polish on the nail is the color that Hella wears. They also find a tip of a finger, a crown from a tooth, hair, and a bone fragment from a skull. Dental records confirm that the remains belong to Helicrafts. Divers search the river in the area where Hella's body was disposed of, and they find a chainsaw blade. The serial number matches the serial number of a chainsaw that had been purchased by Richard. January 13, 1987, Richard was finally arrested for the murder of Helicrafts. The trial began the next spring, and Marie, the nanny, was called to testify. She testified that the couple had been fighting about Richard's infidelity and how she had witnessed seeing the red stain on the carpet before it was ripped out of the bedroom. And she also testifies about the ever-changing stories that Richard told about where his wife went. Richard was found guilty, and he was sentenced to 50 years in prison. He's now 82 years old and is eligible for parole in 2022, which is coming up. What a disturbing story. I mean, if he bought the... And they couldn't find the freezer, by the way. The freezer, they never tracked that down. And it had something to do with the body, why they thought that he basically cut her up and then put her in the freezer for a while and then put her through the wood the wood chipper and they said that he must have run into some problems because he had frozen her first but I'm like who who could do this this is so disturbing on so many levels I don't know how you could ever do all that to somebody especially somebody that I mean you were intimate with that was living in your house the mother of your children so I hope this guy rots in prison obviously he's 82 years old so if he's eligible for parole in a couple of years or two, three years, I wonder if he'll get out. I mean, he'd be like 85 years old. That'd be like the worst karma. Because at this point, you might as well just stay in. What are you going to do when you get out? All right. Well, that one was a pretty disturbing one. All right. Until next time. 